Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable Women's World Cup Podcast. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeat.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. We cover the Palace ladies on the site as well as the main Crystal Palace Football Club and we're also covering the Women's World Cup as well. Um, we're active on Twitter at TheEaglesBeat. Hi, I'm Kieran Tavum. I'm the founder and presenter of Women's Soccer Zone, a fortnightly audio show covering women's football from all over the globe, interviewing some of the biggest names in the game. You can catch the show on audioboom.com forward slash WosoZone, and we're on Twitter on at WosoZone. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, we don't really have a making the rounds as we just had the two matches, so I guess we'll just dive straight in. Kieran, we started uh, the, the podcast last week kind of talking about whether or not Jill Ellis would pick the right side and how important that would be in a match against the number one team in the world in Germany. Do you think she got it right? I think the result shows that she got it right, Kev, to be honest with you. And I think the way that the U.S. played against a team that I think many had tipped for the World Cup and, and quite a few, she got her tactics absolutely spot on. We discussed on our last show um, whether Lauren Holiday and, and Carly Lloyd would be able to get the best out of each other when playing in the same team. And she got it absolutely right by putting Morgan Bryan in that midfield. And, and Morgan was, was exceptional again, as she was in the China game, playing in front of that back four, which allowed Carly and Lauren to play a little bit further forward. And she played as, with Alex Morgan as kind of like a lone, almost like a lone centre forward with, with Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath playing either side of her. And I think it worked well. And actually, if it wasn't for Nadine Angara making some good saves in the game, it, it mm. may well have been a little bit more comfortable for the US. But yeah, I think Jill Ellis deserves a lot of credit. You know, she's taken criticism in the past, but you look at this World Cup, you know, the US have been fairly untroubled. And, and I think that's credit to her for the, the way that she's lined the team up. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the it, there could have been more goals. The Johnston header comes to mind, and especially that, that beautifully weighted pass to Alex Morgan which set her free that, that Anger got a leg to that, you know, <laughs> everyone on Twitter and all of the, the fans at the bar were screaming how she had to finish that. But it was a very good save from a very good keeper. Uh, Jay, obviously not a U.S. fan, but what did you take away from this match? Yeah, I, I have to admit, I fell asleep at halftime. So it was the early hours of it. But I, I did catch the second half in the morning. And uh, I, I mean, the first half was quite tense, wasn't it? And, um, you know... A game between these powerhouses in women's football. I mean, they both won the competition twice before uh, each, I, I believe. And um, I think USA should probably have gone in at halftime with the lead. Um, I think uh, Angara made a few good saves. I think Alex Morgan was guilty of not taking a few chances that came her way. I don't, I don't know what it... I mean, at first half, particularly Alex Morgan looked... You know, she got in the right positions, but didn't seem to be that confident with her finishing, uh, whether that's just being a little bit out of form or not particularly confident in her, in her ability at the moment. But, you know, that we see that a lot in, uh, in in football anyway. But it's, it's quite, a, quite a level first half. And I think we, we touched on the fact that it was... Uh, uh, it was a game of uh, of two keepers, um, and I think he kind of proved that way. I think Angara did um, probably outdid Hope Solo a little bit. I think she had a bit more to do in the game, um, and did her very best to try and keep Germany in the game. But I think um, USA set up really well against the Germans. The Germans kind of, uh, although they started the competition pretty well, uh, weren't particularly convincing against France. Um, and going into this game, I don't think they looked um, that confident and, and as good as they, you know, we, we've we've seen them to be earlier on in the competition. Um, two dubious penalties, obviously. 
Um, the one, I mean, the, the, the killer blow was the, the penalty for, for America. Um, and, you know, Germany going a goal down at that point in the game was, was really crucial, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that as well. Uh, I mentioned last week that I was, uh, I liked Carly Lloyd's performance, but I, I still wanted a little bit more. And I know, Kieran, you said I was being a little harsh. Uh, but this is the performance I was, I was really looking for. She dictated so much of this match. Uh, the goal and assist, not even withstanding, just her performance all over the pitch was was tremendous. And I do think you're right that the, the formation and personnel choices really allowed her to dominate in the way that she did. Um, I, I thought the defensive performance, again, was just tremendous, continuing the clean sheet run. Um, Sasich obviously had a chance from the penalty spot uh, to, to really convert. Uh, and, and score that <laughs> crucial goal uh, against the U.S. that we haven't seen since that Australia match. Uh, but she put it wide, and some argument as to whether or not uh, Johnson should have been red-carded there uh, you know, could have been the case. Uh, mm. There have been more issues uh, with, with refereeing, as we'll probably get to a bit when we get into the England match, but the defensive performance was incredible again, and uh, Johnson will be forgiven for that mistake, considering how good she's been in this tournament thus far. I mean, should have should have been sent off if we're honest, Kev. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. it didn't look like a forceful pull. But yeah, you're probably uh, right. There's probably was, a little bias in there. It wasn't. You know, she's. It's probably one of the few mistakes that she's made in the whole tournament where she's let the ball bounce and and the, the forwards got in front of her. And the reality is, she's tugged her back. She's prevented a goal scoring opportunity. And the laws of the game say you have to go. I mean, it would have been devastating for her had she got sent off. USA go on to win the game, and then she misses the final through suspension. But Reality is, is that the USA got away with one there, and then up the other end, you mentioned a dubious mm-hmm. penalty. You could see from the replays that it was outside the box. Yeah, so, you know, we're we're talking about luck, luck in in, in these semi-finals, and we'll, we'll talk about the England game, as you say, and, and talking about luck in that one. Um, but the luck was definitely on the US's side, with you know Julie Johnson not getting sent off, Celia Sasic not just missing the penalty, but hitting it wide. It wasn't even saved. Yeah. It wasn't even solo into a save. Mm. But then, and then getting the penalty up the other end that, that Carly Lloyd has, has converted, you know, clinically. So uh, Johnston lucky, but if you if you want me to to be the football purist, I'm I'm glad that she stayed on the pitch because it would have been a real shame if she'd missed this Sunday's final. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right, Kieran. In that, you know, it should have been a red card, no doubt about it. You know, uh, was it uh, Mitag? Was it Mitag? Wasn't it? She was mm. through. Um, and, you know, she was fouled to prevent a goal-scoring opportunity. So, letter of the law is, I don't like seeing players get sent off. Um, but for me, that kind of changed the game in a way. It was a crucial point of the game. Um, yeah, it's still a lot of the game still to play. But at that point when, um, you know, I think um, Hope Solo uh, used a few antics, you know, to slow the opponents <laughs> to take him down as well. But, yeah, a bit of killology there. And, um, yeah, you, you would have bet on Sasich to score. Um, you know, top scorer in the competition so far. Uh, you know, her confidence must be through the roof. Um, but under pressure, you know, she's she's put it wide. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a massive call, I think, for the game. Um, and then, obviously, the main contact was outside of the box, whether it was first contact or not. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those where, you know... You seem to you just seem to hear commentators saying um, talking about this rule where it depends if the you know the foul continues into the area and again mm-hmm. we'll talk about that a bit later on but um, yeah that was a big call um, USA took their penalty um, and scored and, and Germany didn't I think that was the uh, you know the, the, you know the big the big turning point in the game really 
Yeah, I, on on run of play, I think the scoreline probably looks about right, but but definitely agree that some luck factored into exactly how the match panned out. But I, I would have expected the U.S. win had those uh, decisions maybe not even gone for them because if, you know, <laughs> in hindsight, maybe one of those earlier chances goes in and then it's not as much of an issue. But the match happened as it did, and we just kind of have to deal with the consequences of that, which is a very saddening segue into what happened in the England-Japan match yesterday. Obviously, some questionable calls in there, but obviously the big point that everybody's bringing up right now is the very unfortunate uh, own goal that was had by Laura Bassett late in the match. What was kind of your take on that as it was happening? Yeah, I'm still trying to get over it, to be honest. I think, like a lot of us, I stayed up last night to watch the game. Um, you know, the game was edging towards extra time. It looked It looked obvious to me. I wouldn't say I was losing concentration in the game at all, but I was kind of, uh, you know, watching the game um, and, and it, you know, expect, waiting for the whistle, really. And then there was a break from Japan. I think there was four on three at the back. Um, and Bassett just did what any defender would do, really. Um, just try to, you know, on the stretch um, to get something on, on the ball. Um, and it was just excruciating the way it kind of um, hit the crossbar, you know, bit of relief but then you see it bounce down over the line and then has the referee given it not straight away and anything oh you know and in that few split seconds of it happening it seemed to be slow well to me it seemed to be slow motion um and then the realization that you know it obviously been given you could see it had gone over the line just from you know from real time watching it um and it, you know, it hit me hard as you know watching the game and from watching England in the tournament and enjoyed pl- watching them play. And I think the worst thing about it is that you know I still feel we were the better team. You know, the second half, um, you know, a few changes were made, and I think Samson, um, you know, should get a lot of credit for that second half because he made a couple of changes uh, when he took one of our you know penalty takers off to to kind of go a four three three formation really um, and and go for the win. Um, a fair a fair play for that. Um, whether that has resulted in us losing the game, I don't know. But to be fair, reaching semi-finals was, uh, you know, was fantastic in itself. I think we spoke in one of the earlier podcasts. You know, competition at quarter-finals would be, you know, a good reach for for the England women's team. Um, and the semi-finals is is obviously one better than that. Um, so I'm I'm a very proud England fan. You know, watching the competition as I have, uh, enjoy watching England. But it's just gut wrenching to see us lose. The way we did, I think it was 30 seconds, wasn't it, before the whistle was blown? Um, not even time to really guard the other end and, and a chance, but you could see their heads just fell through the floor, didn't they? Um, it, it's just sad, it really was. Um, you know, football, football can be fa- sport can be fantastic at times, it really can, but other times it can be horrible. Yeah, I don't really know what I can add. I think Jay's pretty much summed it up. I think any England fan that was watching that, I think it was 2.4 million at its peak last night, 1.7 million average for a game that kicked off at midnight for a women's football match. And supposedly women's football isn't a popular sport. So we're hoping that obviously that can continue on after that game. But it was just very, very sad. You know, it was very unfortunate as well that it happened to be an own goal from a player who was an absolute rock throughout the tournament I mean I'd be the first to admit that Laura Bassett when the squad was announced wasn't necessarily a player that I would have put in my first 11 Um, she's not certainly a player that that didn't play all that regularly under Hope Powell the previous coach and Mark Sampson has, has shown a lot of faith in her and has paired her up with with Steph Horton and 
Uh, they've they've done really well together, and it's not a partnership that he's used throughout the qualification either. He has played Lucy Bronze alongside Steph Horton as well during qualification, and I must say, Lucy Bronze for me not only the best player in the England team during the course of the tournament, but I think possibly the best right back as well, marauding forward, very solid defensively, chipped him with a couple of goals as well. So really pleased for her, and and obviously I think she really made a name for herself in this tournament, but. Yeah, as Jay said, absolutely gutting. You know, I've been very fortunate to interview a few of the players in in that team and get on with with one or two of them on a personal level as well. And you feel it, you really do. Watford fan, and uh, you know, followed the obviously the England men's team since being a kid as well. And I don't ever remember feeling as deflated in some big defeats seeing them as I did in the early hours of this morning because. It was just so cruel. You know, you saw the, the, the state that Laura Bassett was in after the game, you know, completely inconsolable. Um, you know, the players rallying around her. And, and even Mark Sampson's post-match interview, you could see that he'd probably shed a tear or two on the bench because it meant so much to him as well. And, you know, we've talked about it throughout, you know, the tournament and in a podcast we've done. He deserves a huge amount of credit. Again, he got the team right last night. You know, he was playing against the world champions, a team that, as we expected, had a lot of the ball, but pressed high up the pitch. You know, he went with Katie Chapman and Jade Moore again in midfield, and they pressed Japan high up the field with Tony Duggan supporting, almost playing like a 4-1-2-2-1 with Farrah Williams playing in front of the back four and spraying passes around. Katie Chapman and Jade Moore just in front of her to pressure the Japanese midfield. Tony Duggan and Jill Scott playing in front of them, supporting Jodie Taylor up front when they had the ball and supporting Jade Moore and Katie Chapman when they didn't. And, and he got it absolutely right. And we obviously know Tony Duggan hit the bar. England had chances. It was just very, very unfortunate. And it's just very cruel because you think that we lost on a penalty shootout in 2011 to France. Um, and, and, you know, that was, that was cruel in itself. But I never thought you could top that. But losing on penalties is bad. I would say this morning was even worse. Yeah, we, we mentioned briefly before we, we started recording that, for, at least from the stateside perspective, all I saw were all very sympathetic comments, that even snarky people I know tended to be more sympathetic than harsh or, or hostile towards uh, a player that obviously didn't aim for that to happen and, and very unfortunately ended up crashing out of the tournament. Has that been the case in England? Are you hearing mostly positive things? I, I mean, for me, I, I said it after the Canada game that I was so impressed with the reaction to the England women. Obviously, you know, after a win, it's easier to react in a positive manner. Um, the, the actual reaction on social media after that game, it was a Saturday night game or early Sunday morning game. So, um, you know, I think it's perhaps easier for people to stay up and, and, and support and watch the game. But um, the, again, last night was or this morning was the same. Um, you know, just just the interaction between people on Twitter um, and all social media um, sources was uh, far more than I've ever seen for any women's football match. Um, you know, it kind of matched the Canada game before, and I don't I, I don't think I've seen much in a way of criticism. To be honest, it, it's all. Um, you know, just because of the way it happened, I think you know, as football fans, as uh, as any of us are, um, and and anybody listening to this podcast will know that you know the game of football is it, it is what it is, and you know these things can happen, and you know it, it's it's bad enough when you lose a game on penalties, as Kieran said, but I think that last night was was far far worse than losing the game on penalties, and a lot of people can. Em- 
empathise with that, and it seems to be the case that a lot of people are, uh, you know, are, are kind of, you know, kind of apologetic today. You know, feel sorry for the, you know, for um, for Bassett, for you know, and 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 the team as a whole, because um, I think if you if you watch a game and you kind of feel in the back of your mind you deserve, you know you don't deserve to win then yeah you could be kidding yourself and you're thinking you know we we could have gone to the world cup final if the luck was on our side but we really did we really were the better team i think in that game um and i think you know while it hurts to lose like we did i think it hurts a bit more because of the fact that we were that close from you know reaching the world cup final but you know regardless i think you know the women's team have won over a nation really i think they brought women's football to the forefront of a lot of people's minds that perhaps it wasn't before um and for that they can be commended for you know they're playing a game that they love playing they showed it they showed the passion on the pitch and i think a lot of that is to you know is, is something that may, um you know male fans like myself have missed from the men's national team you know um i think a lot of comparisons have been made in that and i don't like making comparisons between a men's game and a women's game but there was a kind of um, real feeling of togetherness watching the England women playing and the fact that they chased everything down. They, they had a real passion. They played for each other. Um, and a lot of people I've spoken to have really enjoyed watching the World Cup. And it's, you know, I think um, there has been a lot of sympathy um, pouring out this morning and for, throughout the course of the day here. Yeah, I've not seen anything negative. I think I spoke to Kev just before we came onto recording. And when you compare the reaction of England fans and and people around the world to, to Laura Bassett's misfortune last night and compare that to Lauren Sesselman's for Canada when she slipped over and, and allowed Jodie Taylor to score the first goal for England against Canada in the quarterfinal. It's chalk and cheese. You know, Lauren Sesselman's forced to come out and make a statement about how heartbroken she is and how she's getting abuse and threats from, from Canadian fans or Canadian trolls, whoever they might be. I haven't seen anything like that with Laura Bassett. There's absolutely no way she's going to have to come out and say she's had any sort of abuse because I haven't seen any. You know, people have been, as Jay said, they've been sympathetic and any person could, you know, you've got to have a heart of stone if you can't be. Um, I've seen, you know, tweets from the likes of Mir Ham and Brandy Chastain and Landon Donovan and, you know, people who don't even work, you know, who aren't even in football. So, yeah, it was it was incredibly positive, and I think Jay's right. You know, it's it's embraced a lot of people. The key thing now is for the FA to try and build on that. There's a lot of interest in women's football um, after this World Cup, but the key thing is to build on that and keep the momentum going because there was a lot of interest in women's football when Team GB played in the Olympics, and sadly, uh, we didn't see it progress as as much as we would have liked to. So that the key thing now is to to try and build on, on what's been achieved in Canada and, and see if we can get more people coming to games at club level and continuing that support for the national team. Yeah, something that may be surprising to some listening is they don't get to go home after that. Obviously, they have a match up against Germany. Could you briefly break down what you think that match will look like? I think it's hard to say, really, isn't it? Um, Germany being Germany, and as they are... Will they want to? Will they have much interest in a third place playoff? Considering that they're, you know, they've won the World Cup twice. Um, you know, professionalism comes into it, and I'm guessing that, you know, this is a this is an old rival fixture, isn't it? England, Germany, no matter what sport uh, uh, or what level of the game, it's still, you know, it's a still an attractive fixture. I'm I'm fully expecting both teams to play a strong uh, um, a strong team, um, and for it to be these, you know, a decent competitive match. Um, there will be an element of um, 
a friendly feel towards it like I think there normally is in these third place games but they're you know in the past I've seen third place games and they've actually been better than I've ever expected so um, I think it's difficult to call as to the mindset of these players and how they're feeling at the moment but um, you know they're professionals and they'll get on with it and you know I'm you know I, I will certainly watch it I think it's a good chance for these two teams to sign off in style um, and particularly for England because it's been you know it's been a great World Cup to watch and um, you know one more performance perhaps see a couple of players which haven't featured quite so much as, other, as others might come in uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing them one more time before they come home. I think there might be a bit of bite to this one. Uh, it's, mm. You know, any England-Germany game, there's that old rivalry there. And let's not forget that Germany did a number on England at Wembley in November. So England may feel that they owe them one a little bit. And the last thing they want to do is is end on a whimper. You know, they've had a great tournament um, with the France game being the exception. I think they'll want to go out there and, and really build on the positive reaction that they've had. I think it would be a huge letdown with all the positive support that they've received throughout the tournament and especially after last night for them to go out on Saturday night and really not do themselves justice. I think I think Mark Sampson will set up to, to go and win the game as, as he has done in all but the France game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think it will be, you know, it's not your stereotypical third v fourth. As I say, you've got that old rivalry between England and Germany. Germany have been particularly great in this competition, if you want me to be brutally honest. They kept going on during the US say game of scorers in the tournament the majority of those goals came against the Ivory Coast and Thailand so you can say what you like but they okay they put four past Sweden but that was a poor Sweden side they, str- they didn't score against the United States and I don't I don't think they had a, they did and they struggled against France so I don't actually think Germany had a particularly great tournament I know that's controversial but I think they might be there for the taking and, and England certainly might be able to get a result all right, and now on to the big one. First rematch in Women's World Cup history. We have USA versus Japan. What do you think it'll take for the U.S. to beat them, Karen? Much the same as what they've done. Um, get Pick the right team, play with a high tempo, make sure they defend well. Once again, they're probably going to have to um, make do with not having an awful lot of the ball because, as we've seen, Japan do dominate possession. I think they had something like 61% of the ball when they played against England, but we saw that Japan have vulnerabilities. We saw England, who not many people gave a chance. I think I saw the ESPN's experts and panel had all of them had Japan to win the game and none of them expected to, for England to, to give them the game that they did. I think USA are a step above England. So if England can outplay Japan, I don't see why the US can't. And they've grown and, and been better each game that they've played. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jill Ellis makes changes because rarely does she go with the same 11. But you can guarantee that the back five will be the same. I'm almost certain that she will go with Holiday and Lloyd. And I wouldn't be surprised if she went with Morgan Bryan once again because the last two games she has been immense. It's just that forward line. As Jay said a little bit earlier, Alex Morgan... I think she's rusty. You know, she's not played a lot of football over the last year, 18 months. Lots of problems with her ankle. Um, and I, I don't think she's as sharp as maybe she we expect her to be. So will we see her start? I'd like her to, to start, but I'm not sure if she will. I think Amy Rodriguez did well against China, but Chilelis doesn't seem to favour her as much as she does maybe some others. Um, maybe the scene is set for Abby Wombeck to, to go and steal the show and get that elusive World Cup medal. That's something I think all U.S. fans would like to see. Jay, what do you think we'll see in this match? 
Yeah, we didn't really speak much about Japan, actually. Um, obviously, talking a lot about England and what happened, but I wasn't particularly convinced by Japan against us. Um, as I mentioned, England were a better team in the semi-final, and I think Japan will have to step up their game against USA. They've they've got to the semi-finals or got to the final. Um, you know, playing decent. You know, passing football like they do, and you know they 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 beat teams along the way, and well, they got a hundred percent record because they got through their group stage uh, with three wins, but. I think it's going to be a tough call against USA. I think USA have... I, I've been critical of them in, in the tournament already for not really um, you know, winning games convincingly and, and not looking as a team that perhaps they should do. But I think now you look at them and look at them playing in the semi-final against Germany, you know, they play well in that. And I think perhaps they've timed it to perfection in that you know, they're coming good at just the right time. And, and I kind of think whether Japan can live up to that in the final. Obviously, it's a World Cup final. Players will play up to that, and I'm not expecting Japan to play um, quite as they did against England. But you know, USA will have that thought in the back of their minds that you know they lost the last World Cup um, to Japan. That was on penalties, and you know, there's no reason why it can't go that far uh, in this game because it, it's it, you know they're both quite well matched, um, slightly different styles. Um, but I, 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 I think um, I'm favouring the USA in this one. I think it'll be a, a tight game still, but um, perhaps extra time. But I think the USA will um, just about sneak it. Yeah, it sounds like all three of us are kind of leaning the same way with the USA looking the favourites. If Japan were to cause the upset, what would they need to do? Pass the ball around the US. Do what they do best. Mm. Um, they No one questions that they are the best team in the world at keeping the ball along with France. And if they can, if they can, you know, use that intricate passing and that almost that telepathic uh, way that they have in terms of knowing where each other is, of almost not having to look, then they could they could spring that surprise much like they did in 2011. So, with you know, I I think the USA will win, but in a in a one-off game in a final, and the fact that Japan managed to get that win last time round, um, they've always got a chance. Um, I was at the Olympic final in 2012 when the USA beat them. And even then, even on defeat, Japan played well. You know, they are, they are a joy to watch. And if they can play to their strengths and catch the USA a little bit off guard and a little bit on an off day, then they've got every chance to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with Kieran on that. And, you know, they need to find, you know, that form back again in, in the, the, you know, the way they pass the ball. It was, it was, it was rather, it was missing against England. I think uh, they had a lot of possession in the game um but you know their passing went awry they didn't particularly um threaten hugely going forward you know straight passes and they you know they weren't having that uh, telepathy that you know kira mentioned you know just also actually knowing where their their colleague their teammates are on the pitch but you know that's that, that's one game you know the, the world cup final is a one-off game you know you're going to play up for that and you know if they find their best form and they play that football that you know we we, we see them play there's no reason why they can't cause an upset it's certainly not uh you know not an easy game for usa um you know japan are a force to be reckoned with you know they're the, they're the reigning champions i think they'll be the, i think they'll be the first team or the first team to um uh retain the title uh kira might correct me um on that um, but I know that uh, it'd be the first time for a team to win uh, the World Cup three times, you know, which is what USA are bidding to do. So um, it's it's going to be an intriguing matchup, uh, and I'm certainly looking forward to it.
Okay. We didn't actually talk about the penalties in the England Japan game. What was your take on? Oh, we I mean, foreshadowed them. <laughs> the, the Japan one was clearly outside the box. There yep. was a lot of debate over England's. I mean, yeah. they showed. I thought it was probably soft, and then when yeah. I saw the replay, if you've got someone treading on your heel and you're trying to make a movement away, from you're going to lurch a little bit. You're going to go down, aren't you? And yeah, yeah. For me, it was a pen. Yes, it was a little bit soft, but it it was a penalty. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty I'm much shooting. how I saw it as well. Yeah. I didn't think it. I didn't think it was live. And then you kind of see huh. it in slow motion. You're like, well, pacer going, kind of angles. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, kind of t- to the same degree uh, that I will regrettably admit that maybe the Johnston should have been a red. But it, <laughs> it wasn't a didn't hearty we say, tug. <laughs> didn't, we, didn't we say in the previous podcast that we hope referees don't spoil the semifinals? <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, th- I think uh, I think one of us. Um, I don't know if they spoiled the semi-finals, but you know. It's... Well, like I said, I, I don't think the U.S. result was necessarily changed. I think that two nil no. or two one U.S. probably felt about right. I think I think the England match was maybe not as. Question is: Do uh, do USA go on to win that? A goal Johnson down. Johnson sent off. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Ten. Even uh, yeah. Sasich still misses the penalty. It's nil, yeah. but it's eleven against ten. Yeah, yeah, that probably isn't great. But I mean, we yeah. were dominating for large swaths of that game. Mm. Yeah. Just, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I but just it don't. Is still think, Germany. I, I was quite happy to go on record. I don't think Germany had a great tournament. I mm. really don't. I know they scored a lot of goals, but as I said, a lot of them came against Ivory Coast and, and Thailand, and they stuck four past the poor Sweden side. But if you look at the real tests that they had against Norway, against France, and against the USA. They they didn't uh, they didn't they didn't do that. They've had forty five minutes against Norway. Second half Norway were arguably the better team. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they were completely outplayed against France and arguably outplayed by the US. So. Yeah. And as we mentioned about the Cote d'Ivoire match, they didn't even look specifically sound at the back against them. They were scoring lots of goals, but looked like a goal could be had going the other way as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people kind of saying that defensively they looked a little bit little bit shaky I don't think a lot of people wanted Bartusiak in that team I think they, a lot of people were looking for baby Peter to play and mm. you know I've, what's done is done I, I genuinely think England have got a chance it just depends on how quickly they can pick themselves up yeah mm. I will say um, as the, the tournament has progressed I'm feeling a lot better about the 2-1 Japan Netherlands scoreline because at the time <laughs> I hadn't been really impressed by Japan in the group stage I like. I honestly thought Netherlands could do it. I didn't say it on the pod because then you know what happened happened. Um, but I mean, I don't know. How, how is maintain. it that nobody can force themselves on Japan like physically? Like, I I just don't understand how it's impossible to do. I um I did a little preview show with Jess Fishlock and Rachel Causey, who mm-hmm. both play uh, for the Seattle Rain, and I asked Jess that question. I said, "Why is it that?" Nobody in four years since Japan won the World Cup has copied their style. Why is it that no one um, is playing the same way that they do? Yeah. You know, keeping the ball and and playing that technical. And then she said, they they are just that technical. They just have something about them that no one else has, and that is why it's so difficult to get near them because they just have this unbelievable talent that allows them to play the way that they do. I guess it's. You know, there's probably elements of, of people back in Japan saying, why is it we can't play like the USA or Germany in terms of the physicality and the speed? But Well, I mean, they not, just don't have the how, personnel. But... It's not how they're built, is it? And yeah. no. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a real, but Jess was, Jess was really kind of adamant, you know, that it's just the way they are. It's the way that they're set up. It's the way that they train. It's the way that they, 
their mentality from a young a young age that they they play the, the ball properly um so yeah it, it's an interesting question because no one else plays them france is the closest team to them in terms of the ball possession but no yeah. one else does they, they had glimpses of the way they play against england there's a few hints at you know the way they can just naturally pass the ball to one another uh, i think one of the substitutes that came on actually looked pretty uh, uh yeah, it looked really threatening when she came on for about 10 minutes and then kind of faded because they weren't getting the ball to her, which, you know, more probably more tactic-wise for England than, than, than for them. But certainly there was glimpses in, in that game where you could just see, oh, well, you know, that's a good pass. And, um, you know, it's kind of a notch up from what, you, what you've seen from other teams in the, in the competition, I think. Um, but not, mm. you know, obviously not as, um, as often enough, really, for, for that game. Yeah, I'm still. It blows my mind that Miami just became the only Japanese player with two goals at this tournament. They've all been spread out throughout the squad. Yeah, and it's just yeah, yeah. For a team that reaches the final as well. Yeah, insane. Mm. Yeah, I still maintain that uh, these referees at the World Cup could uh, quite easily uh, referee in the Premier League. <laughs> they would be just as wrong. So yeah. All right, and with that, we are out of time for this installment. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jay from TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site. We cover the Palace ladies and uh, as well as the main Crystal Palace football club. Uh, it's been great to cover the World Cup, uh, the Women's World Cup. So um, if you have an interest in women's football, by all means, check the site next season. You'll get a bit of women's content on there. So um, the site is eaglesbeak.com and we're in, uh, active on Twitter at the Eaglesbeak. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Kev. Before I reel off my details, I've actually just had an email come in and some of the shortlists have been announced for the uh, player of the tournament and mm. young player of the tournament. So I thought I'd reel them out on the show before we, uh, before we go. Yeah. So the shortlist for the golden ball which is the play sorry the golden yeah it is the golden ball which is the player of the tournament uh, Sayori Ariyoshi from Japan Lucy Bronze from England French player Amadine Omri Julie Johnston from the USA Carly Lloyd from the USA Aimi Yama from Japan Megan Rapino from the USA and Celia Sasic from Germany interesting that Anja Mittag's not in there despite the goals that she scored mm-hmm. uh, and the golden glove which is for the goalkeeper of the tournament is Nadine Angra uh, Ayomi Ayahori from Japan and Hope Solo and then the young player nominees are Kadisha Buchanan from Canada mm. Ait Egerberg from Norway and Giali Tang from China so I thought I'd reel those off quickly mm. before I give my details but yes thank you very much for having me again uh, as I said my name is Kieran Tavum I'm the presenter and founder of Women's Soccer Zone a fortnightly show uh, covering women's football uh, you can catch us on audioboom.com forward slash Zone, and we're on Twitter on at Woso Zone. All right, uh, I'm gonna take a page from Kieran's book and address the email that he just mentioned. If you had a favorite for each of those, who would you take? Uh, oh, let me have a quick look. Sorry, I need to open up the email no, again. Fine. We can um, I mean, I it's really difficult. I think for player of the tournament for me, it's a toss up between Amadine Omri and Julie Johnston. I think Julie has really as I said in the last show, she stepped up to the plate, a young player, not had an awful lot of time in the first team for the US Women's National Team. So uh, she she's certainly up there for me. And Amadine Henri, I just think, was a joy to watch for France. Absolutely drove that team from midfield, scored an absolute beaut of a goal against Mexico. Uh, so she would be player of the tournament for me. Goalkeeper of the tournament, Nadine Angra. Hope Solo, I don't think has had an awful lot to do, to be honest, other than in the game against Australia. So... She would be my goalkeeper. And then young player of the tournament, 
I'd probably go Ada Hegerberg. I, I've, I've been a big fan of Ada for a little while. I've interviewed her a few times as well, so I'm going to be biased on that one and go Ada Hegerberg in Norway. Oh, for me, um, a young player, I, 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 I've watched uh, Buchanan play an awful lot and I've, she's impressed me um, coming out of the back line and defending well. Yeah, I think she was unlucky against us, but uh, I think she was one of their star players in, in, in that particular game. So for me, um, I think she's on the young player list, wasn't she, um, Buchanan? Well, um, as for goalkeeper, um, yeah, Kieran's already said it. Angara, um, I think, I think she's the best keeper in the world at the moment and the best in the tournament. You know, whether she's had more to do than some of the others, I'm not sure, but um, she's certainly made some some great saves. You know, I can remember. So yeah, I'll go for her as well. Yeah, and the the uh, thing that we're not talking about is who will get the golden boot. Uh, it's pretty clearly <laughs> Sasich, unless uh, Carly Lloyd does something tremendous and scores a hat trick in a final, which would yes. obviously put him down put her down as an international hero forever i i think you're you're probably right you guys with with who are the favorites i i think it has to be buchanan though i mm. she was so impressive like we we talked before it's very rare that that you're like staggered by a defender but that was okay. incredible i mean but, she was yeah. class there's just i'm a bit biased i have a good relationship on a personal level with ada hegerberg mm. so it's kind of, it would be nice to <laughs> Nice to nice to see her win it, but Buchanan yeah. was close. I mean, there's there's no denying that, absolutely no denying that whatsoever. And you know, the reality is, is that I support and back Lauren Sesselman for the for the abuse and and the the threats that she received. But mm. it could have been a lot worse for Canada had Buchanan not had the tournament that she oh, did. Yeah. Lauren Sesselman was well below par, and she wasn't fit. You know, <laughs> fair enough. I think see, if you took Rapino's first three games and then add mm. Carly Lloyd's following three games, that would be the player of the tournament. But you don't get mm. to do that. <laughs> no, I think, you know, again, uh, it's actually Megan Rapinoe's birthday on Sunday. So what a birthday present it would be to get a World Cup medal. Oh, we should have mentioned yeah. that because it's actually Alex Morgan's birthday today. Yeah, yeah, no, oh. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, it's Pino's birthday on Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, a good good friend of mine, Megan Rapinoe, and, and I would love to see her win a medal on Sunday. I really would. And, and I would love to have give, given her player of the tournament, but I think she was quiet in the second half yeah, against Germany. For sure. Um, you know, I thought she was brilliant in the group stages, absolute class in the group stages. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think overall, I, I'd, I'd probably give it, to, if, you, if you twisted my arm, I'd give it to Julie Johnston, just because she's she was a young player. She's stepped into huge shoes as well, Kev. You know, mm. Christy Rampone is an absolute bloody legend. You know, yeah. she's granted she's forty years old, but she's still in that squad because she's good enough. Um, and they still tell me the players that I've speak to, they, she's still one of the quickest, if not the quickest, player in that team. Forty Jesus. years old. You know, so for her to step in and for her to to play as she has, granted she got lucky in the semi, should have been sent off. But yeah. other than that, she's not put her foot wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised Steph Houghton wasn't included in that because I th thought she's had a tremendous World Cup as well. Yeah. I know so so many players you could include, but well, I mean, let me have a look at the list again. I mean, uh, I mean, you look at it, you could probably make a case. I just don't know who you put her because, as I said, for me, no. Lucy Bronze was England's best player. Amadine Omri yeah. was class. Johnston was class. Carly Lloyd's been class. Mm. Ayami has been that driving force for Japan. Megan Rapino, Celia Sasic. Sayori Ariyoshi, you know, it's so difficult, isn't it? Isn't it, it is very much so. I'd say Anya Mittag, five goals, not in there. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's I ridiculous. think Mittag had a better tournament than Sasic. She just had fewer goals. Yeah, it's, it's a fair mm. point. It's a fair mm. point. You know, Sasic is and Sasic. You know, if you want to be like picky, Sasic did her job. 
She did. I, I don't know if we need to really praise that as much. I, I don't know. That's kind of kind of goes back to the you can only beat who's in front of you. But I don't know mm-hmm. I was I was very impressed by Mitek. You know, because coming into the tournament, I wasn't super familiar, and I had that list of four, the the four German players that had had twenty plus goals, and so I was like really trying to keep an eye on them. And I I was impressed with Mitek more all over the pitch, and Sasic mm-hmm. was great going forward, but she really didn't do much else. But yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fair. Fair comment, mate. Fair comment. Um, if you'd like to reach me, I'm at Kevrov on Twitter, K-E-V-R-O-V. If you'd like to reach the podcast, you can either tweet us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.